0: Hey writers, join our First Draft Weekly Writers Club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern Time. For more information go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab.
1: Going back to the place where it all began.
0: Hi, I'm Allison Langer. I'm Andrea Askowitz, and this is Writing Class Radio. You'll hear true personal stories and learn a little bit about how to write your own stories. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. By art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit. There's no... <laughs> it's where we work out our shit. Chat, Shoot. There's no place in the world like writing class, and we want to bring you in. Today on our show, we're talking about how every word in a story matters. We have a story to share that illustrates this point so well. Essayist, teacher, and writing class radio listener, Amy Paturell, submitted her story called The Other Love of His Life, and we can't wait to share it. It's super tight. We are such
2: a-holes about every word counts. I mean, especially me. I, I just, but I feel like both of us are, like we're cutting queens, I don't know. I'm so strict about it. I was thinking about this, like my book of essays, I've trimmed down my essays so many times that I've had to like keep writing new ones just to keep the whole book at book length. Like that's how hardcore I omit needless words.
0: Well, I also think sometimes we omit too many words. So you and I complain, you know, argue about this all the time. Sometimes I think it's over edited. So you have to be careful not to do that, too. You don't want to take out the personality. I think you're right. I, I think
2: that I totally overdo it. And I was thinking about this yesterday. I want to tell you this. I was listening to this podcast, um, the Joe Rogan experience. Do you know it? Oh, my God. Yes. His are like long, 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 long. long. Yeah. First of all, they're like three hours. So I didn't give it all that. But I gave it 33 minutes while I was jogging. And he had this comedian on named Kyle Dunnigan. I just wanted to like, who is this guy? Why is he so popular? All right, let me just tell you, these guys, first of all, they were totally high. Like, they literally were, like, getting high, (laughs) and then they just started chatting, and they talked about all this shit that both of them knew nothing about. Like, they kept admitting, "Uh, I don't know anything about this. uh, Nah, we're on a subject. I have nothing, uh, nothing. But they just kept going on, and I was like, these guys don't care about what they're saying. Like, they're not taking the every word matters thing into consideration. At all. They're going on and on. And so my question is, is this the difference between men and women?
0: I think it's just COVID casual. I don't know. Everything is kind of up in the air now. Everyone's just, who cares? Let's just talk for a while. So I think it's more casual. Did you just coin a term? COVID casual? Yeah, yeah, I did. Really? Because that's good. I've not heard that.
2: So I know in the way that Joe Rogan kept saying he has no idea what he's talking about. Well, I have some idea that Joe Rogan has said some mean things about black and trans people. I have a problem with that. And he
0: did not take care to omit needless words. He probably doesn't want to spend a lot of money on his audio person. <laughs> <laughs>
2: OK, so I know that Virginia, our audio producer, is going to try to cut this. Virginia, don't try to cut this. Don't cut this. Virginia, leave this stuff, OK? Because this part is relevant. But I know you're going to cut it because you're a woman and you're trained. But do your best and don't cut it because I think it's relevant. Thanks. <laughs> it sounds like he doesn't even have an audio person. He has. Yeah. You know what it sounded like? He has um, someone in the studio who he asks questions of, sort of like, um, what's that guy with the glasses that I kind of look like? Um, Howard Stern you don't think I look look, like Howard Stern a little bit now that you mentioned I know it's unfortunate isn't it (laughs) I'm saying all this because we really do care how our words hit people and we made a mistake on um, on a past podcast it was episode 81 how do I find a literary agent we were talking to agent Barbara And we got this criticism from one of our listeners.
0: We asked her to read her email so we could share it with you and you could hear her voice.
1: My name is Taiwo Adesina, and I'm a writer based in Washington, D.C. I work as a humanitarian responding to international emergencies around the world. But writing has always been a passion of mine. I was listening to your podcast from May 6th. Now, I'm not one of those people that send angry emails or pen desperately to the editor because I feel my thoughts should be considered. In fact, I've never done this before. You asked the agent on your show to speak to white authors who want to write primarily with characters or storylines about people of color. I think the agent did a good job of providing a diplomatic answer and I believe she was right in saying that she may not be the best person to ask. I read American Dirt and I've also read Small Great Things. I felt they were both excellent reads. I think there is room for white people or authors in general to write books heavily centered on people of color as long as the research, the mentoring from other writer POCs not just the subjects, and the intent to not exploit or appropriate is there. What gave me pause was the fact that you did not also address the need for more Black writers and Black storytellers and agents who were willing to give them a platform.
0: Talk about how you felt when you got that email from um, Taiwo. Initially, I was like, my stomach clenched and I was like, oh no, what did we do? How did we screw up? You know, I was really sensitive and I... But I, as I read it, I was like, OK, here's this woman. And she's starting with, like, positive feedback. She likes our podcast. I'm like, OK, that's good. That's good. Are we going to lose her forever? What did we do? What do we do? And then she got to the point where she said, you know, that we didn't include black people, people of color in the conversation with Barbara Powell. And I was so selfish and so self-absorbed in my own, like, how do I get published, that I didn't consider anyone, including people of color. And that I I want to stop doing and I intend to stop doing. So, I was so grateful that she wrote. She said she doesn't usually do that kind of stuff and and that whether she does it all the time or doesn't didn't I didn't care one way or the other. I was just so grateful that she told me how she felt and was direct about it. And I thought that was great. When I read
2: the email, I really thought, "Dang. We are so caught up in our own minds, in our own, you know, we can only see through our own eyes. And that felt like a big problem. Like it really felt to me like I get systemic racism and I want to do better because I want our podcast to speak to and speak about all people as much as we can. And you were talking to Barbara Powell about your story. So it's totally made sense why you were asking her, her opinions about, you know, a white woman writing a black story.
0: Yeah, but that's an excuse. I mean, I really, there's really no excuse for me not thinking outside of my own box and really including other people and what their questions are. And I, I think that was, it was really helpful for me to, to see. So thank you so much, Taiwo, for, for bringing that to our attention. And we want to hear all your
2: thoughts about our podcasts either through email at info at writingclassradio or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We would love to hear all your constructive criticism. On this episode, we're talking about how every word matters both in how they land on people because our words affect people and how we use them in a story because to make great art, every word must count.
0: Well, you're, you value people's time, too. And so that's part of an essay. We've all sort of, at least I have, like I have a very short attention span. So if you're going to tell me the same thing three different ways, I get bored. So I think in that respect, it has to be concise. But in a sentence, if you throw in a that or, you know, you get a tiny bit wordy. I mean, maybe that's just who you are. I had a teacher, though, in grad
2: school who, so she had us do this thing where we would tell a story out loud. And this is great, great practice for admitting needless words. And every time we would say, um, or that or, or anything that was not, that didn't count, like that didn't move the sentence forward. She would, ta- like, she, it was, this. this is so old fashioned, but there was a blackboard with chalk. those days anyway she would just like throw the chalk against the the blackboard it was like so I've learned to get rid of the that's and the uh, and the extra words but also in an essay especially a short essay like the one you're gonna hear today on our show it's very important to stay on topic so a story is like a thesis You have to tell that one story, and if all of your information and all the scenes and all the um, details in your story need to lead to your conclusion, and if they don't, then those are the elements you need to
0: cut. All right, back after the break. We're back. I'm Allison Langer, and you're listening to Writing Class Radio. The story you're about to hear is by essayist Amy Paturell. Amy's essay was originally published in the April 2009 issue of Newsweek. The title of her essay is The Other Love of His Life.
3: My fiance's first marriage ended in tragedy. Before we could be happy, he had to make peace with it. So did I. When I woke up to my boyfriend's kisses on a warm morning in July, I felt guilty. It was her birthday, and I was in her house with her husband in her bed. Her bookshelves were filled with the same books I had on mine, The Cider House Rules, Beloved, The Pilot's Wife. She was a literature professor. She loved writing. She loved reading. She loved Scrabble. And now, she was gone. Brandon had been married for less than six months when his wife was killed in a car accident. When I met him two years later, he was still wearing his wedding ring, but on his right hand. The ring is a symbol of his continued commitment to her, I assumed, not a sign that he was ready to build a life with someone new. Beyond the ring, there were a million reasons why I should have passed Brandon by. I love books. He never reads. I live near the beach. He's 74 miles inland. I'm a health nut. he subsists on buffalo wings and beer. But there were bigger reasons for me to stay. We both loved racing toy penny cars in the mall, pretending we were Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers and singing Barry Manilow's Copa Cabana" at the top of our lungs. He was loving, charming, sweet, and he knew how to make me laugh from deep within my belly. Plus, I was like her, and they were happy. I pored over her pictures trying to learn everything I could about the woman who came before me. She would always hold a place in Brandon's heart, so I needed to know who she was. A chill came over me when I visited her memorial page and read through the online guest book. No one could ever fill her shoes, someone wrote. That launched me into my next search, dating a widower. Every site I visited warned of men who disappear after a few months out of guilt, those who constantly draw comparisons to their late spouse, and those who live in the tragic state of what if. Brandon hadn't done any of those things. But then I read this. If he has pictures of her on the walls, clothes of hers in the closet, and trinkets of their life together on display, he's not ready. Brandon insisted he wanted to move on, that she was dead and he was not. He even avoided the red flags I had read about. About a month into the relationship, the ring came off. Pictures were tucked away and replaced. Slowly, her clothes began to disappear from the closet. Yet I still grappled with the feeling that I might never measure up to what he lost. In his mind, she will always be 33 and beautiful. Me? I'll get gray hair, wrinkled skin, and flabby thighs. What's more, their relationship will remain perfect, frozen forever in newlywed bliss. In six short months, they didn't weather the storms that come with age and time. Sleepless nights caring for newborns, arguments over money, in-law drama. As I fell more deeply in love, more questions came. If he had to pick one of us, whom would he choose? After we die, will he want to be buried next to her or me? Will we spend eternity together as a trio? But the most pressing question came on the morning of July 12th. Do I go with him to visit her at the cemetery? At first, I thought I didn't belong there, that she would want to spend her birthday with her husband minus the new girlfriend. I felt guilty for living the life she was robbed of, that I was lucky because she wasn't. But Brandon reassured me. She would want me to find someone else, he said. Someone who can make me as happy as she did. So we celebrated her birthday together, all three of us. Brandon and I arranged flowers and placed a mini balloon into the earth. She's usually pretty quiet, he said, trying to get a laugh. The wind kicked up and the balloon began bobbing back and forth. It looks like she's waving at us, I said. Secretly, I hope she was letting me know she approved. In that moment, I realized I didn't want to fill her shoes. I had my own. She and I had much in common, but we were also very different. I called Brandon out on things she might have let slide. She enjoyed shopping. I prefer wine tasting. She was a master quilter. I can't hem a pair of pants. I am a very lucky man, Brandon said, as he hugged me on the cemetery lawn. I used to disagree. How could someone who lost his wife in an instant call himself lucky? But as we walked back to the car, I knew he was right. He has the love of two women. Maybe I'm a hopeless romantic, but I like to believe the first one helped guide him to the second.
2: All right, I love this story. It is so tight. Here's how it hit me. There's total tension at the beginning. Like the narrator is in her bed with her husband. Like she tells us right away though that he died, but still I was just like, okay. And then very early she says, no one could ever fill her shoes. And that to me is what the whole story is about. It's about this narrator like insecurity about filling the shoes of her boyfriend's dead wife and all of the details and all of the scenes everything she tells us in this whole story supports this thesis or supports the story about oh my god I'm insecure that I'm never going to be able to fill her shoes And then at the end when she's at the cemetery, now here is the only place that I wanted more words because I really wanted more of a shift there. I really wanted to get why at that moment she realized she didn't want to fill her shoes. And I do get that it's because of Brandon's love and acceptance, but how did that translate to
0: her? That's the only place I wanted a little more. I think they cut this story to publish it. So they cut out some of that. So there may have been the words you wanted in an original um, version of this essay. So that does sometimes happen. You know, They things get cut as it gets published. And we don't have a ton of control over that if you want to get published. But what I want to talk about is the setup, the structure. The structure of this piece is textbook perfect. The way she sort of throws what this thing is going to be about. Then we get backstory. The backstory comes out. In the very second paragraph, Brandon had been married for less than six months, and that is so necessary because I feel like a lot of times people don't ground us with the backstory, and it's that's taken care of right in the beginning. Um, and then she lists in detail all the reasons why she should have passed him by. He never reads, you know. She lives near the beach; he doesn't. She's a health nut; he isn't. So, I those things have drawn me in, and in every paragraph, she doesn't leave me wondering. Like what? And I thought that was really, really, really perfect. That's that's sort of helping my question. Because
2: that also, the way that she talked about their love, hers with Brandon, shows me. She's showing us that they're a really good relationship.
0: Yeah. And then she says, she brings us back to the cemetery. But the most pressing question came on the moment, the morning of July 12th. Do I go with him to visit her at the cemetery? So... We're back in the story. We, we're done with the backstory. We know all about the relationship. And then she starts talking about her insecurities and her emotion in this relationship. And it's vulnerable. And that's what a lot of people miss in their story. If you just give us the details without any vulnerability, it, we feel like, well, you're not bringing us in deep enough. And we're not really getting all that information that we're really curious about. And a story should have that. So I thought she did that really well. And it's it's so textbook. Like, this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and finally this happened. And that's what she does. She takes us in chronological order, and then she gets to the very end. So I thought it was excellent. I mean, the second I read it, I was like, I love this lady. I want her to be my best friend. And um, let's talk about how we took her class. Yeah. So we took her class. Then she said, oh, I'm having a class. I I was like, can we form a group? I want to read your stories. Will you read mine? And it just felt like somebody I wanted to pull into our writing class radio family. And then she pulled us into her family. She's like, I have this class. I want you guys to come take it. And it was awesome. And it was hard. And
2: Amy Paturell does a ton of work for her students. And I want to tell the listener, our listeners, if you're listening right now, you can take her class too she's having a new class coming july 6th 2020 and um six weeks you get to edit two essays she gives you a spreadsheet with editor contacts it's a total boot camp lots of editing which of other people's stories which is great practice and it's 400 usually 400 but for you (laughs) 375 dollars for all the writing class radio listeners and um, go yeah. to amypatorell.com to sign
0: up and tell her we sent you. And if you missed the July 6th class, just email her. She'll, she does classes periodically and get in on the class. At some point, you have to take it. Amy Patrell's essays have appeared in Newsweek, The New York Times, The Los Angeles Times, Real Simple, Parents, and Good Housekeeping. She teaches personal essay writing online and offers one-on-one coaching to professional and aspiring writers. Thank you for listening. And thank you, Amy, for sharing your story with us. Writing Class Radio is produced by Virginia Laura, Andrea Asquitz, and me, Allison Langer. Social media content is by Ariel Henley. Theme music by Emia. Additional music is by Poddington Bear. There's more writing class on our website, writingclassradio.com, including video classes, stories to study, and editing resources. If you love this show and enjoy all the extras on our website, hit the support us button. And don't forget to check out the writing classes and publishing insights we are giving our Patreon supporters. $10 a month gets you an all-access pass to Andrea's publishing conversations, discussions, questions, everything. $25 a month gets you a writing class called First Draft a week with me. The classes are on Tuesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time via Zoom meeting and are for one hour. We write to a prompt and share what we wrote then i have a second draft class which is on thursdays also at noon for an hour that's 25 dollars a class and there a smaller number of people get to bring in a piece their second draft that they want to workshop with the class so it's a great way to get a little bit better at writing and jump to the next step and it's excellent great great group of people for those who are interested Jump on writingclassradio.com and click on classes, or just email me at info at A new episode will drop the first Wednesday of the month, so look for us. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours?